There's the bell. We're late to class. JK. Episode two. Well, no, part two, not episode two. This will be episode four. Welcome back. We left you on a cliffhanger. Holy fuck, boys. And girls, whatever. Ladies and gentlemen, how you guys doing? I'm Nolan. I'm with my co-host, Max Kosmalski. We got our special guest. <laughs> That's me trying to drum roll. Brian Woodkey is here with us. How you doing, Brian? Good, good. We're back. <clears throat> We're back, yeah. I mean, you can't. You, you got to pee. This is human things yeah. that have yeah. to happen. Yeah, are necessary. Need a second to recollect Holy some shit. thoughts. Let's get back to being <clears throat> human, man. Holy crap. Anyways, uh, so where did we leave off? You guys left me off on a cliffhanger. We were talking about the national debt and how it's uh, a travesty. A travesty. And it's not slowing down. It's a freight train. Freight train. Yeah. All right. So Crazy. what is the national debt? Wh- who do we owe this money to? $29.823 trillion. 1.27 years of the United States total economic output. Who do we owe all this money to? Uh, I don't know, Max. Nobody, That's a good question. I'm a, yeah, I'm, no, nobody ever seems to know that. All right, uh, I'm, I'm, I am a guy, right? I am trying to learn about money. I have no idea where to start, but I should probably start with knowing where we're at with money so I know how to play in the game because this is a game, right? So right off rip, I need to know, what, $30 trillion in debt? Well, you don't need to know this, but if you want to know what the debt is, it can give you a better idea of the broad scope of the entire economy okay. and what's going on in our fan- financial, uh, you know, financial institution. Uh, with thirty trillion dollars in debt, almost thirty trillion, we want to know what that debt is. The ten-year Treasury is the global benchmark security. It's the go-to security. It is a bond. I've. I don't know if I owned a 10-year treasury. I, I think I owned a 30-year. I've owned some 30-year bonds before. But a 10-year treasury, right now it pays about 1.8%, 1.7% compounded annually. Unfortunately, it's in a currency that's losing 7% of its purchasing power every year. So right now, the global benchmark security is promising you, they're guaranteeing you a 5.2% loss in the purchasing power of your dollars. This is supposed to be a place where you can park your money safely and and get returns on it. Right. Right? This is supposed to be the number one place, global benchmark security. This is where the number one, the most amount of money should go if you're looking to park your money safely and gain interest on it and accrue wealth. Right. What what's and the it's doing the exact opposite of that? What's the standard? What for the last few decades, what's the golden rule? Was it 60% stocks? And forty percent bonds, right? That's all, that's the that's but the sixty forty rule. But I, if you invest in a bond, are you increasing your wealth or are you decreasing your well, wealth? Well, if you were to put forty percent of your money into the the ten year treasury, you're losing what? What did you say? 5% year? Five percent a year? Five five point two five point three percent a year. And yeah. how do I put my money into the treasury? Is that just me putting my money into the bank? Uh, no. I mean, in my Vanguard account, I can I can invest in ten year treasuries. Okay. I've held physical bonds that are you yeah. know keep them in the safe yeah. or whatever, and they have a maturity date and all that stuff. But all of this national debt is just treasury bonds. It's a glorified IOU. Me buying, say, I buy a thousand dollars worth of a ten year treasury, and I earn one point eight percent on it. Mm-hmm. So after a year, my $1,000 would be 1018 But the purchasing power of my dollars would have vanished by 7%. So it, it's a glorified IOU. And who can own these? Anybody can own them. About $7.5 trillion of our debt 
is held by uh, foreign countries. Mm-hmm. It can be me holding it, some of the debt. My grandma might be holding some of the debt. Your grandma might be holding some of the debt. Sovereign wealth funds might be holding some of the debt. Pension funds. So say say I don't park my money in a treasury, right? That's what you guys are saying. You mm-hmm. guys are talking about parking your money in a treasury and what that does to the depreciation de- 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 of the dollar or the purchasing power of that. Uh, well, back in the day, you would be able to earn like – 10% interest on it. Oh, Back okay. in the day, it was favorable. But for the first time in and a that's long why, time, we have negative real yields. That's probably why grandparents were like, yeah, I'm going to give my grandkids these bonds. So right. maybe if I only <laughs> had this amount of money, when they can actually use it, you know, maybe what I, the time I spent on this earth w- will push them forward. Right. But they, they didn't know that our financial system would just, you know, it, I mean, it didn't implode, but so it check has adopted a debt-based system where it needs more debt to to survive so it feeds on debt when you say like we need to find you got to find the debt or know where the debt's coming from we I, don't need to most people right like me like i got a bank account I go to the bank i put in some money fuck it you know look at my bank i'm like i am not where i want to be whatever that's a typical day okay how is that affecting the money in my bank does that have any relation? Is there a bridge between that? Because I feel like there is, between, or there might are be. Are you asking between the debt and and the money? Well, it, the the, so the global or the U.S. debt affects all the money. Yeah. So you're saying the U.S. debt, right? It not only affects the Treasury bonds, right? But do the Treasury bonds, being a certain way, also ha- affect the deflation of the dollar or the inflation? The devaluation. Of the, the devaluation. Uh. Yes and no, because when in the 1970s, the chairman of the Fed was Paul Volcker, and to combat the inflation they had in the 1970s, they had to raise interest rates. If you are, if your foreign investors are, if you want to incentivize foreign investors to hold your debt so that you can spend the money now and then pay them back later, you have to give them an incentive. That incentive has to be profit. So if their currency is, you know, maybe inflation is 3%, that bond could be 5% or 6%. And they're earning 2 or 3% a year. And, you know, that's sustainable when the, when the, when the currency isn't being devalued rapidly. So there, it doesn't have a direct correlation to answer your question. Right. But raising interest rates through these bonds is a tool to fight inflation, which uh, is important because of the national debt. If we have $30 trillion in national debt... How much are we paying in interest? Because every single one of these treasuries pays a little bit of interest. According to the usdebtclock.org, right now, the interest on the national debt for this year is $423 billion and $365 million. So, so on top of what we already owe in debt. Yeah, that's, that's going to be added to the national we debt. Add that every year. And back to bonds, I have a question because I'm actually curious. I don't know if this is true or not. With bonds... Essentially, what you're doing is you're buying an IOU. You're giving the the government money to spend right now to pay back later. Correct. So, if if you have faith in your government, you're hoping that they take that. Say you put thousand a thousand dollars into the ten year treasury. They take that. 
$1,000 and they create value with it. They increase the GDP mm-hmm, or, right. or improve, you know, different aspects, public aspects of, of the country. You're hoping that they can create more than $1,000 worth of value. And say the, say the interest rate is 1.8%. In a year, you're hoping the government can create, you know, with $1,000, at least $18 of value, Right. Correct. Yeah. Or that is that kind of like they use the money for something. I that, mean, we, that we can argue that some of it is bullcrap oh. and some of it's good, but yeah, you know, they're taking that money and they're using it for what they choose. Right. See, that made sense. So then going. Yeah, I'm swing, glad he brought it up that way. So then swing it back to Max. Are they making that eighteen dollars on that thousand bucks? What a, what uh, we'd have to look into what there's what the government's spending money on. And do we trust our government? Yeah, there's a bunch of bunch do, of things like yeah. that, right? Well, right. I, so I don't know this. I don't know the numbers by heart or anything, but uh, I think John Maynard Keynes came up with this. And there is a point where, relative to the national debt, you can increase the currency supply by so much. If you are going to create a dollar out of thin air, ideally it should create a dollar twenty worth worth of, worth value. of value. Yeah, worth mm-hmm. of economic output. But when the national debt grows so large and so much interest is required to pay it back, then you might be printing a dollar, but it might only add 85 cents to the GDP. Productive or unproductive? Unproductive. For sure. Holy shit. That's, that's kind of the cycle of how we, how we got here, really, to, to $28 trillion. Is it $28? $29.8 trillion. Yeah, almost $30 trillion. And so, keep in mind, this is our obligation to pay off. I, I would reckon that 90% of the people listening to this are U.S. taxpayers. Mm-hmm. So we you are responsible care. for paying off this debt. Yeah, you, sh- you should care about this number. And you right. should care about what impact it has on, on your money and on your purchasing power. Yeah, and you don't have to be some wealthy investor to, for it to have an impact on you. Right. This is this, – we have the world reserve currency. Now, what about, what about the – what about the – can our government send the Federal Reserve a treasury note requesting money, and then that cycle continues to an IOU to the Fed? Yeah, all uh, the Fed owns a lot of the U.S. government's debt. But what because I'm- the government can't print the money, the Federal Reserve prints it. As I mentioned in the first one, the the Federal Reserve takes that those newly printed dollars, they give them to the government. And the government gives them that glorified IOU that you know they'll pay back later. Emphasis on pay back later. Wow, because yeah. it's not economically feasible to pay it all back right, right now. Let's see, U.S. federal tax revenue. How do we make our money? How does the government government make their money? They make it through our taxpayer dollars. When I get X percent of my money uh, taken out or, you know, I'm doing a 1099 and I got to take out whatever percentage that money goes towards that, that number four trillion fifty six billion. Now, it, would you rather have a business spending more than they make or spending less than they make? Spend would you less? Correct. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to invest in a company that is spending a lot more than they make, but the government is bringing in four point zero five trillion dollars but they're spending 6.89 trillion for every every year well this year at least we are losing 2.83 trillion dollars that money will go to our national debt and it will have to be paid off it absolutely will need to be paid off and that this is our obligation 
And because of the irresponsibility in the government right now and the spending, we, as U.S. taxpayers, <clears throat> we are inheriting this future burden. So let me get this straight real quick. So I give my 1000 bucks to the government. I got faith in the government straight. You know, they're going to make me 18 bucks this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. So, and then, but on the reverse side, them as a business are also doing business with the Fed, and they owe the Fed money. So there's no way that they're going to be profitable in making my money any money. Right. Unless they raise interest rates. So then it, and then on top of that, that all accumulates to the national debt, and yeah, then the amount of the interest rate dollars it? printed or pr- right out of thin air that don't have going back to episode one intrinsic value, because we're kind of all not doing anything right now. Like mm-hmm. our country's not really working. There's a lot of people hiring. Our dollars aren't worth as much. Gas is up. We're not it's, growing. Yeah, Growth Jan- is steeply declining. January 2022. So I'm I'm from a small town in Michigan. I want to raise a family. I, I want to go on trips when I want to. I don't want to struggle, and I want to attempt to thrive in life. Where is this affecting me? Is this clearly affecting me every single time they print off money or every single – time we let another day go by we're not doing shit about it i think i think as a as they print more money it's gonna affect you uh in ev- everything that you buy whether it's gas like you said or groceries or or new cars you know or the, lumber the, co- the cost of living yeah lumber we saw lumber go nuts co- the cost of living is gonna increase so long as the uh total monetary supply increases I'm happy you brought that up because then it swings back to the end user buying the goods uh-huh. and then paying the taxes on the stuff and those taxes going straight into the, right. that cycle again, huh? Right. Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah, yeah we, we get taxed in every so. single avenue of our life, and they're still running these crazy deficits. You know, I've heard you say that so many times. I just never wrap my, my brain around it. Like it takes a, a bunch of times to, like, understand this information, mm-hmm. and it's – it's boring as hell. I mean, mm. for some reason, I find it interesting. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's worth talking about. I, th- I thought I heard but it. It is a difficult cricket. to understand. <laughs> I was like, what's that over there? No, All right. So well, here, let's, let's go through this. $2.8 trillion is what our government lost this year. That will need to be paid back. Mm-hmm. I ran these numbers, and I didn't run the numbers with uh, the American taxpayers, but what if every single person, the 330 million people that live in this country, inherited that burden? We're all going to be taxpayer dollar or taxpayers someday. By them adding 2.8 trillion dollars to the national debt, that's an extra 8,400 dollars that are going to need to come out of our pockets to fund the government's nonsense essentially every year it's nonsense this is a ponzi scheme so what do you mean by nonsense that's finding the debt so what is it is it what what did you say earlier reckless funding it's reckless, reckless spending spending yeah. funding well it's this, yeah. i mean it's really the same the government's funding certain projects or different things around the world or uh that are completely unnecessary i mean i, right. I think one of the infrastructure bills there was uh, like a hundred million for gender studies in 
Afghanistan or, or it was ten million in uh, and it was Pakistan. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not good with the numbers, so don't quote me. But yeah, exactly. What what is that? Ten million for gender studies. In and Pakistan. we're al- we're already in this much debt. Where did they get benefit? that ten million? Yeah, who they does printed that it. And why wouldn't why wouldn't you just take that out of the uh, the spending bill? Yeah. You know, it's unnecessary because nobody would ever vote on that. And if you think about it, if you think about it, the the U.S. spends more than any other country combined on defense, and I'm. I'm 100% behind being able to defend our country, the, the land of the free, home of the brave, number one military in the entire plan- on the entire planet. Mm-hmm. Like, we want to be safe at home, but some money can be cut from that budget. Some money can be cut from everywhere in order to get rid of this $2.8 trillion deficit that we create every year. And right. we can turn it into a surplus. I mean, what happened in the United States? We used to make things. We used to be producers, the producers of, Let's of go, the Brad. world. Right, we were exporting and and we were we were acquiring the debt of other countries, right? So they they had to pay us back, and now, you know, it, look at us now. We have the most debt out of any country on the planet. <clears throat> we still have the global reserve currency, but we're not producing. We're 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 uh, consuming exactly. I heard we're something consuming that, far uh, more than we're producing. I heard something that I don't know if it was like Russia or some some big country didn't want to accept USD mm-hmm. in like oh, the, a federal exchange for like a, a large surplus of I th- obviously I th- goods. So. I think it might be the Russian sovereign wealth fund completely de-dollarized. Yeah. So, I mean, like the, Russia has a, so- a wealth fund and, you know, whether they're holding gold or treasuries, private treasuries, uh, whatever, they decided they didn't want to hold dollars anymore. I wonder why. Maybe maybe it's why? because they're losing 7% every year. Yeah. And if you took the metrics that they used in 1980 to measure inflation, the real numbers, then we're looking at 15% inflation. 5% is scary. 7% is scary. But holy shit, 15%? 15%? How would you like to turn $100,000 into $85,000 mm-hmm. in terms of purchasing power, of course? It's not appealing. Well, They have no incentive to hold these dollars. Yeah, so no incentive to hold it. That I mean, that's messed up. That's messed up. Going yeah, back to we need to, the faith in this system. We don't make we don't make shit. You know, if we don't provide value, if we don't make stuff, we're not innovating. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're gonna get passed up. I mean, anybody right? listening yeah. right now, look at look at the tag on your shirt. Tell me where it's made. It's probably yeah. I'd say ninety nine percent chance it's not made in the United States. You know, the most the most American-made car for the last 10 years in the United States is the Toyota Camry. It's not, even, a, it's not even an American company. Yeah, that's Damn. another thing. When we drop our merch, guys, and you go to our website, everything will be made in the United States. We don't give a fuck how much it costs. Profit margins, don't give a shit. This, Absolutely. This is about expressing people to be who they want to be because genuinely we think people are good, and we really want to provide value so that you can just be yourself in in mankind you know absolutely hey i wanted to touch on something that brian said so you said you brought up the national debt and you you brought up that we need to cut cut spending Mm -hmm. somewhere right and you know we've got three largest budget items defense slash war 720 billion Mm -hmm. social security 1.1 trillion medicare medicaid 1.26 trillion if you were to run for office and you were going to prof- promise to cut all of this spending, what would happen to your ass in Washington? Um, 
You would I mean, not get yeah, votes. No, there's no chance. There's Your no competition chance. is promising spending up the wazoo. Right. Why the hell would they vote for anybody else? Right. Or exactly. yeah. Well, I, the thing is, is like, like you people don't have the long term mindset. I mean, you you look now and raising rates. You look at the markets and everything's tanking. There's a lot of stocks that are down. You know, this is like a record high amount of stocks down 50 percent or more from mm-hmm. their all time high. And that, yet scary. The, mar- the market is still way up at the top. Raising rates in the short term would be bad for the markets and for the economy. But in the long term, it's going to generate a surplus. It's going to it's going to create more value over time. And your your purchasing power will be preserved as well. So it's like and it'll keep faith in the system. Right. And you and I will be able to put away money and earn an interest rate. I wouldn't I wouldn't be so into into crypto or Bitcoin if I if I wasn't, you know, completely like if, if I didn't have no faith in the system yeah. that's going on right now. Right. Like in my opinion, we need to have a conversation on whether or not all this debt is necessary, if that is even necessary to create value. You know what I'm saying? Like the 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 printing of the money is like our, our main our main problem. Like can can we right. eliminate that? And I think that's where I don't think we can though. Bitcoin might come in. Yeah, I mean that's that's an alternative instead of parking your wealth and you know a currency that you know is going to continue to be printed. Right. But we're we're stuck in the spiral. We inflate or die. Or Brian said inflate and then die. Inflate until you die. Oh yeah, until you die. <laughs> but <laughs> we don't have a choice, right? Yeah. What sites are you guys looking at all this stuff on? Uh, like what? What are you guys using? Like Webull or? Are you talking about to, stocks? To just look at look at everything. Like just what do you look I at? I listen to a lot of interviews on YouTube with macro strategists, you know, world renowned economists, uh, successful investors, natural resource investors, crypto investors. Who's some people off the top? Of, top Rick of Rule. Rick, Rick Rule. Rick Rule is the man with the plan. He's he's one of the most brilliant investors I've ever listened to. Uh, Jim Records. I actually wanted to bring this up because of something that you said. Jim Records, he he's brilliant. I read a couple of his books. His most recent one was The New Great Depression. Highly recommend reading it. It'll give you some good insight on the economy and what happened with the economy because of COVID. And he explains that central banks all around the world, all of these countries are printing, you know, their currency to oblivion. So if we sat on the sidelines and we didn't print more and we watched China or Japan or whatever, whatever country, we watched our competition print all this money and get all this shit for free. If Canada just prints money out of thin air and just buys up U.S. goods, then we're going to be we're going to be getting their their crappy currency and they're going to be getting our valuable goods. Right. So if your competition is printing, then you need to print. And it's basically a race to the bottom. Right. Because if if China's printing money, then they're going to get the advantage of printing money. You know, right. you, you create value out unless, of thin unless air. Unless you increase the cost of all your goods to offset all the printing. But Which they don't. Who's going to buy from you? Well, and that requires coordination on a level, like, unheard of. The entire country, all the businesses, every corporation has to raise their prices. And you have to keep track of how much inflation, how much these other countries are printing. And that's just a, that's a mess. And that, that could lead to, you know, consumer good prices, cons- the consumer price index in the United States going up tenfold over 10 years or uh, 50 years. You know what I'm saying? Right. 
So, aside from bonds, <laughs> we're talking so- about. Tr- that sounded like uh, the game Risk and Chess, like had a baby. I'm down. Like I'm look, down to that, play it. That's what that, that sounds sounded right like. up my alley. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man. So look, let's get away from the treasuries. We ain't investing in any fucking treasuries. None right. of our none of our viewers, none of our listeners own. I mean, maybe some of financial them financial advice. Debt. Don't buy any of the the u.s treasuries <laughs> yeah I, unless I'm you want to unless it. you want to lose money that's guaranteed yeah. well the, the only the reason only you might want this is not financial advice <laughs> that's the only financial advice i have one yeah. might be able to argue that it's better than cash though because oh, your yeah. cash is losing seven percent right and it's not gaining any percent maybe True. if it's in the bank True. you'll get yourself a nice big hefty point zero one percent interest yeah. rate yep. but if you're holding the treasury I mean, instead of losing 7%, you're only losing 5.2%. Right. So, I mean, I would rather only lose 5.2% than 7%. So, there is, like, there may be a spot in someone's portfolio if that's what they desired. Right. But aside from bonds, this inflation, how is it hitting us the worst? Yeah, the grocery stores, yeah, gas at the pump, but housing. Let's talk about that. The young generation is being priced out of the housing market. Right, you can't even buy a, a shack like a, a you know one bedroom how one bedroom one bathroom shack for less than one hundred and twenty grand. Right, you know and what I'm we hear the stories from our parents too. Mm-hmm. Our parents they were they were buying a house. They were the, they were married with two kids at our age, and they had a house and they were comfortable. And the wage yeah. the wage of you know the two of them could could provide for the entire family and pay right. all the bills the wage from one person could exactly. could get a house a car stay at home wife and couple kids but that is not the case anymore no so what Hell no. what makes the real estate market go up what what would be a good incentive to borrow money and use it to buy a house how about low interest rates yeah if you're borrowing money as i said in the in part one if you're borrowing money in a currency that's losing 7% every year, but your 30-year mortgage is only 4%, then your your losses get offset. Right. At, at the end, you might be paying off your debt with Monopoly money. Yeah. So yeah. What, what happens to the prices? Now everybody, everybody and their brother. And we, so rates were at their lowest shortly after the pandemic. They artificially lowered rates. And it sent a boom in the housing market. Mm-hmm. Everybody and their brother was buying a housing market. I, I, was, I was helping clients as a realtor. And seeing my offer go in and hearing the, the listing agent tell me that there's 30 other offers on this house, like yeah. it was a frenzy. It yeah. was an absolute frenzy. Is it productive to bid the price up of housing just until infinity? The little guys like us and, you know, the all these people not necessarily at the bottom you know the middle class just if they're not filthy rich they're getting priced out of the housing market right. day by day those houses are getting more and more and more and more expensive but your wage is not keeping up with the the increase in the housing prices so we are getting priced out of the housing market food shelter water bro yep food yep. shelter water well, dude and they're all being devalued by inflation food shelter and water the thing is with the housing market and somebody said this to me the other day, which is kind of funny. I was like, if you're selling your house, well, if you're looking to buy a house, everybody wants to buy a house for cheap. You know, everyone wants a good deal on a house. If you're selling your house, do you want to sell your house for a discount? 
No, no, I, I love it. If you can get twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars over asking price for your house, are you going to sell it for 10 k under? Fuck no. Nope. Hell no. Nope. Everybody's and got this money that they that's burning a hole in their pocket. Because right. Because so much has been printed, and, you know, for good reason. Everyone should be spending their money in an inflationary environment like like this. Right. What do you got? What's that do to the money velocity? What? The the influx of dollars printed out of thin air. Well, if it it depends. First so of all, what it, is money velocity? It's how quickly money changes hands. So if you if you take your money and you give it to, you know, say you pay a cab driver, mm-hmm. and that cab driver goes and they take that money and they go to a gas station and they buy something at the gas station. And the gas station clerk takes that money and they buy some gum. I don't know. That's a money velocity of three. So if all that money gets printed, as I said in the first uh, part of this podcast, if all that money is printed and just they put it in a warehouse and nobody spends it, then it will not affect the money velocity. But if that money gets injected into the economy and there's more money chasing fewer goods, then the velocity of the money goes up. And that increases inflation. You lost me at hello. (laughs) On that one, on that one. If you guys got that, you know, you might have to rewind that. With a a higher money velocity, does that affect the the cost of goods, the cost of housing? Does that increase the the higher the money velocity, the higher the, uh, I guess, I don't want to say CPI, but... Well, the money velocity in the housing market would be the dollars that are going towards the house. Right, right. And if there's more buyers, is there more dollars or fewer dollars? There's more dollars. More. So there's more dollars. And it's are they chasing the same right? amount of the ho- of houses? Yep. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, they, they, they're building houses, but in general, they're still chasing those. Those dollars are still chasing the same amount of houses. So how do we slow down the money velocity? Interest rates. You raise interest rates. Paul Volcker did this in 1970 or, or in the 70s or whatever. If, if people don't hold the debt, then... It's not going to work out. Right. Holy shit. Yeah, so, but there's a reason why we can't raise the interest rates. If we wanted to raise the interest rates enough to the point where people like us, hardworking folk, can put away their money and earn an honest interest on it without having to worry about their currency being devalued or whatever, you can't put your money in a 10-year treasury and become profitable because you're losing 5.8% a year. But with inflation at 7%, if they had rates at 8%, then you're at least gaining 1% a year. Sounds good, right? They should just do that. Oh, nope. What There's unintended the con- consequences. Yeah. What, what would happen to our $30 trillion debt if the interest rate doubled? Would the interest double? Yeah. For every, since it's $30 trillion, you can ballpark that. For so, every 1% interest rate <clears throat> raise, that'll add $300 billion dollars. To the U.S. debt, or to the to the interest payments. Well, I'd say if you double interest rates, that for spending, but that, spending six point eight trillion of that four trillion. But that number so will it's double, hard to, right? Pardon? That number will double. Well, in my scenario, if you wanted to raise rates enough to the point where people are actually incentivized to hold this debt, then we would have to raise rates from 1.8% to 8%. So it 
So if we were to increase rates by 6%, that would add $1.8 trillion to our interest payments every single year. So $1.8 trillion plus $423 billion. Is that right? Yeah, $423 billion. So $2.2 trillion going towards just our interest on our debt. That's not good. That's more than half of our dollars. You were talking about cutting spending and stuff. Mm-hmm. We we want to work together as a society to make the best use of these funds. You know, your taxpayer dollars, they, they go towards getting the fire department, you know, fixing the roads, U.S. Postal Service. Uh, it shouldn't go to, to $10 million in Kebabwe or whatever. The, <laughs> yeah. Wherever the fuck we, you yeah. guys are talking about yeah, that so scenario. It, if we want to... <clears throat> you know, advance society, you know, this is a whole debate in itself, but people want more health care. People want free health care. I understand it. You got a big heart. I don't want anyone to just, you know, find out that they have cancer and then they're just burdened with medical bills and stuff because that is a cold, hard reality. Mm -hmm. And it does happen. And I understand why people would want to push towards, you know, making health care free, which nothing is free. So I shouldn't have even said that. There's no such thing as free. Everything has a cost. If we want to gear more towards that or get closer to making something like that a possibility, not saying that I'm for it, but if we wanted to get closer to it, we, we have to solve this problem because things are not going to be good if half of our federal tax revenue goes towards paying the interest on our debt. That's so unproductive. Right. That's $4 trillion is what we're taking in. We want to spend every single dime, and we want to make the best of all those dollars. But what if – all right, we get that $4 trillion. of it has to go towards just the interest on the debt. It's not sustainable. It's a a lose-lose. It's it's confusing and not sustainable. Do do you think the government is efficient with spending your money? Do you think they'll spend your money efficiently to create value? And if your answer is no, then we have to – something – there has to be another solution. Yeah. And hopefully we'll figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Where, does, what is, where does crypto stand in all this? Like, does crypto, <clears throat> would crypto ever be involved? Or let's not say, let's say the blockchain. Let's say the blockchain, would that ever be involved with how our government transacts everything? Oh, it yeah. It could. If, if the government ran on an open ledger on a blockchain, we would be able to see everything that they spend their money on, right? We would be able to see any special interest, any lobbying money being you know put into the accounts of politicians and we'd be able to see how much they're getting you know corruption would all but disappear i mean pretty dc is one of the most um i think uh they have one of the highest uh incomes or net worths Mm -hmm. of all the area codes in the united states Mm -hmm. like top 25 or something like that right holy shit well i don't it's a slippery slope because if if you trust the government to spend your money in an efficient way, I don't I don't even know where I'm going with this. You asked what where crypto it. plays a role in it. <clears throat> no, because like y- you were talking about, uh, yeah, where does crypto play a role in? Well, he well, he he theorized that you know we could run all of our money on a open yeah, source yeah, yeah. ledger. Uh, the last thing we would want is you know the Federal Reserve having some power grab, mm-hmm. you know, getting even more control over us and creating a central bank digital currency. Right. 
That's right. the last thing we want. It needs to be decentralized. The solution, the solution is a scarce, a scarce monetary supply. Right. That, that cannot be altered. Can't, can't be altered. And retains its value. It needs. It needs to be a set of rules that can't be changed by anyone. Like like the the lobbying can change different policy in the country. You know, money going into corrupt politicians' pockets from corrupt companies can change where money ta- our tax revenue flows throughout the economy. But on an open ledger and a and a decentralized blockchain, there's no funny business. Yeah, you can't hide. You can't hide that. You can't. And it would be in everybody's best interest to create the most value. Hell yeah! It would trust is trust is everything, man. You, see, the thing is, is you can't trust in it in the in the in what's going on financial system. You can't trust in your politicians. the The best thing to do is set up set up something that that is like a a bird's eye view. Someone watching from outside of the game, setting the rules that can't be changed, can't be, you know misconstrued or reinterpreted or i don't know in my opinion a scarce scarce monetary policy with no no money printing would be the solution but and we need responsible people that are pulling the decisions on all of that right right and where do we need an educated society educated society is probably uh, some kind of grassroots movement yeah of people yeah, because if if our society isn't properly educated enough to understand that these politicians, I mean, it's a word game. I mean, it's who can go up there and who can convince these people to believe them or follow them or whatever. And th- these people are experts. They go up, they go on stage, they tell you exactly what you want to hear, and mm-hmm. they try to try to get your votes. Yeah, empty promises. It's a politician's life. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I I do trust like the the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and right. and things like that. It's a set of rules. But we're talking about right now, right? You know? Well, the Constitution. The fact a that those guys set. did that that long ago is insane. Well, also. they were geniuses. Yeah. They were they were so ahead of their time. Like they foresaw ninety nine percent of the problems that we would face. In that, in the Constitution, in the Bill of Rights alone, yeah, bro. Like the the amount of careful planning, it's it's really like remarkable what what the Constitution and the Bill of Rights actually allows for, and what it doesn't allow for, and how well it's worked so far. Right. Shit. So if if so, you think you think interest rates? You think? uh, So yeah, I think I think Max Max raising interest rates would. Would definitely help combat the inflation and fix a lot of our problems, but also it's a it's kind of a looped system where oh yeah it it would create unintended consequences. There's there's so many things <laughs> that need to change. You get our, like a look where you're no, like I don't know, Max. It's risky. We well, we need so many changes, like a, a change in the education system. Like you have right. a politician go up there and make whatever promise you want, and you got people voting on it, but people really don't have any obligation to like dissect all these issues in their in their free time and. Everything has unintended consequences. So, you know, some politician can go up there and be like, I'm going to give everyone a million dollars for free. (laughs) And then some people might not be able to think critically enough to know that that might not be feasible. It doesn't. So education. Yeah. Education is important. Uh, Handling corruption. That's important. I just watched the documentary Dope Sick and or docuseries or uh, whatever. And 
it's about the Oxycontin epidemic and how it was just greed and corruption that fueled it. And the FDA was corrupt. Uh, Purdue Pharma was corrupt. And they just, they pushed, they pushed this drug out for profit, knowing full well that, you know, that uh, it was destroying people's lives. And people weren't really held accountable. You know, HSBC, Hong Kong, Shanghai, Bank of China, they, they funneled, they were managing the money or uh, banking with the cartel. And that cartel was responsible for an estimated 100,000 deaths, if, violent deaths. And nobody was held accountable. You know, these large financial institutions, they break the rules. They get a little slap on the wrist. Wells and then Fargo, they, right? Uh, I don't know anything about them off the top of my head. But oh, okay. the, the whole point is that people need to be held accountable for their corruption. If you... If a company like Purdue Pharma rolls out a drug and they lie about it and they destroy all these people's lives, that those CEOs, the the executives, they should end up in prison. Mm-hmm. The company should be dissolved. The assets should be liquidated and compensated to the people whose lives were ruined. Right. Because greed and profit drove their lives into the into the dump, mm-hmm. and that is a, a foundation of fixing our society. You know, the interest rates that can it might it, it might collapse the financial system. It might fix it. I don't know. I I really don't know. Like th- we're in a pickle so bad that there isn't really any solution. So everything from education to handling corruption and maybe putting everything on the blockchain where people right. can't lie, cheat and steal. Exactly. That's a start. I but think, that's three things, and it would take a decade or two to ha- make that all happen. I think the main thing is we're we're looking for one solution to this problem, but it is it's a not it's not one problem either. It's like right. we can say inflation or or interest rates, this and that. It's it's a multitude of you know a hundred different problems with a, a hundred different subsets of issues within those. It's like I, we can't all agree on one solution. There has to be a bunch of different. There has to be compromise. Exactly. And I think with the way the, the country is and the political divide and social media, you can't get a, a large majority of the country to agree on anything. And I don't know what happened between, you know, 10 years ago and now, but it's gotten way worse. I don't know if it's the, the access to information information i got a super computer in our pocket exactly now we all think we're geniuses right nobody's willing to admit everything we do no one's willing to admit they're wrong either you know we could we could have a conversation a debate about a certain topic and come to a solution because we're pretty reasonable individuals i'd say but there's a lot of people who are pretty stuck in their ways or they read this somewhere and and they think that that's the right the right answer when really it just takes a little more digging and an open mind Right. And our leaders, they're not even able to do that. You know, the game of politics, like you're playing with a bunch of people that lie, cheat and steal. Yep. And if you don't lie, cheat and steal, then these people are going to they're going to out politics. You. It's a team. And yeah, it's you're a like team thing. You're going to a yes. fight. Right. And uh, this guy is like, yeah, just us. Bare knuckles. Bare knuckles. Mano y mano, brada. And then you show up and there's like eight dudes there and they got a fucking crowbar. Right. In, e- in each of their hands. Right. Right, they don't they don't play fair. And that yeah, what do you do? Well, I, I just have this overwhelming feeling that love will beat evil. I just I just have it. I feel like I believe I've that as well. Felt mm-hmm. like whatever energy we're from rained down on me because I wasn't doing the right thing. 
and I felt the other embrace of it, and I think one is more powerful than the other. Or maybe not powerful, but more influential to the th the vessels that it's being carried through, which is humans. This is our world, guys. That's obvious. We're the we're the alphas on the planet. It's and love will win. Yeah. Good so, will win. Um, regardless of that, I think we should do a a crypt a, just a deep dive crypto podcast uh, soon. Mm -hmm. What do you think, I'm Brian? Good. Yeah, I'd be down. We could go through go. We could talk about the blockchain and how it works. How uh, how how mining works? How blocks are solved? Yeah, you know, an intro. The, like what? people got to know yeah. exactly what the blockchain is. Yeah, yep. I want you guys to school me up on like how to take a little bit of money and put it somewhere, and then grow my knowledge as I grow my wealth, mm -hmm. and you know just keep going. There's plenty of ways. Definitely cool. plenty of ways to do that. But I hope we touched on at least some of them here. Oh if yeah, not, not right. in great detail. We we definitely brushed the surface. There's Everything's like an iceberg, you know? Yeah. yeah. Realistically, like all this stuff we talked about for, you know, the part one and then part two, we can deep dive into every single issue. It's so it's all so broad. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things we wanted to talk about and so many things we did talk about. You know, it's to some extent, it's going to have to wait for another podcast. Right. And cheers to many more. Yeah. We hope you guys tune in for those podcasts. We also thank you for tuning in this far. It was fucking fun. Any Been last words? Here. Who who's got who's got a a good final message? What you, <clears throat> what what would you like to tell the people? What you got? Uh, honestly, uh, if you're if you're looking to save your money and invest in the financial markets or look into crypto, preserve your your purchasing power. Just play it smart. I mean, do as much research as you can. Talk to people that know more than you, because it, it'll help you in yeah. the long run. And be patient. It's a it's a long game. It's we're not we're not here for quick money and we're here for a long time. So play the long game. Play the long game. Awesome. Oh shit. All right guys, thanks for tuning in. New new school podcast four. Here we go. We're out. All Fuck right. yeah. <laughs>